Pastor Xavier Reese with this simple truth. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves or think anything from ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God. It's evident by realizing that Jesus is the one working through the man. Evident by relying on the Holy Spirit to teach us, to illuminate us. Listen to Paul, who also made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, the Spirit gives life. Spirit. It's Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We read in 1 Corinthians 12, And if your ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. And as Pastor Xavier delivers the conclusion of a character study of the Apostle James, we'll begin to see how Jesus chose men of various gifts, just as we see in the body of Christ today. Let's listen. Tonight we want to look at James, the son of Alphaeus, and in view of three things. The little we know about James. Secondly, the lack of information that is a common practice in the Bible. And then thirdly, the lessons that God wants us to learn from James. Let's begin with the little we know about James. Let's see what it does say. The man James, he is known as the son of Alphaeus. This James is distinct from other men called James. He is distinct from James, the sons of Zebedee, though we see the tie of the same name. He is distinct from James, the Lord's brother, which is mentioned in Matthew 13, 55, along with the sisters of Jesus in Mark 6, 3. He is distinct from James, the father of Judas, that's mentioned in Luke 6, 16. In Acts 1.13, he is called James the Less, whose brother was Joseph. Mark 15.40 tells us that. So now we get another identity of him. James the Less, who had a brother named Joseph. The word for less there in Mark 15.40 is mikros, which means little, least, small, or less. Now his name could refer that he was younger, maybe in contrast to James, one of the brothers of Zebedee. That's a possibility. His name could also refer to the fact that he was small in influence and popularity. But most likely here in the listing that we find in comparisons of all of them, it probably refers to his stature. Because certainly, God would not be listing them as more influential than another. So most likely it fits to his stature. He's not recorded as saying anything. He's just there as one of the 12 apostles of Jesus who would be sent into the world to proclaim the message of the gospel. Today we need men and women like James who answer the call. 
even though they may never be spoken about or known by most people. Listen to the scripture in Malachi 3, 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. There's the bottom line, guys. Who cares who knows you? Who cares who doesn't know you? God hears and sees you as you're living for him. God knows everything you do. He misses nothing. Do it as unto the Lord. Today we need vessels of honor. Listen to Paul. 2 Timothy 2.21 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. It's always um, amazing to see people who just serve the Lord. Talented people too. Gifted. And they just come and they serve, they do whatever. And whether they're in a place that they're not seen or they're in a place that they're more visible, it doesn't matter to them. I love that. They just serve. The little that we know about James tells us he was such a man. He just did what God called him to do. We don't know much about him. But Jesus knows everything about him. Now in view of this, Secondly, we want to look at the lack of information that is common as a practice in the Bible. So this is not an isolated thing. Uh, let me just begin by regarding people. The life of our Lord between 12 and, 13 year, and 30 years of age, we know nothing about. The Bible is absolutely silent. God's sovereign wisdom chose not to disclose those silent years. Now, God allows only the things that are necessary for us to learn from. Okay? He wasn't trying to impress us with a fat book. <laughs> Nothing's missing. Nothing's lacking. Everything is present. The life of Paul, from his conversion till his call to Antioch, is very silent. He was saved in Damascus Road, as you know. He preached afterwards Christ in Damascus for three years. He abode in Arabia, Acts 9, and Galatians 1 tells us that. He was persecuted by the Jews. He was let down Damascus in, the, in a basket. And then he boogied over to Jerusalem, and nobody wanted to do anything to do with him. They thought he was an undercover Pharisee, and Barnabas took a chance on him. He says, come alongside. He got too hot to handle. They took him up to Tarsus, sent him on R&R &R for nine years. And for nine years, he's out there preaching, doing the work. Nobody knows him. Nobody sees him. All they hear is the one that used to persecute Christian, destroying the church. Now, he's preaching the one that he persecuted. And it wasn't until the outbreak broke out in Antioch that Barnabas went down there to check it out and he, thought, he saw that it was genuine so he started seeking Saul and he found him, brought him down. They were there for an entire year and he and Barnabas taught them and that's when they were first called Christians. But those three years, we have very little information. Galatians chapter 1 gives you a little bit. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 32 through 33 gives you a little bit. But that's it. Axios tells you that he, he came down to Jerusalem, he, he saw there Peter for 15 days, and James, and Barnabas, and that's it, and then he took off. In those nine years, we know nothing about, except that he was preaching. And the churches deal were hearing. But once he came to Antioch, the rest is history. 
He's all over the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, Peter is the primary character of the book of Acts, the first half. Then Paul comes along. He, he controls it. Look at the number of epistles he's written. Can you imagine? Jesus devastated Paul. This man had his life together. Paul was a tremendous thinker. If Paul would not have been saved, he would have been a great man anyway. Now, he would have been lost, but a great man. He was a thinker. Can you imagine he has his whole theology together, and Jesus appears to him and just turns his world right side up? For three years, he had to think. He had to sit at the feet of Jesus. And if it wasn't for Paul, Paul was a chosen vessel to set everything in order. He was smart, but basic. He brought it down to simplicity. There's still some hard things in Paul. But man, he lays the gospel out. There's the list of heroes. You've read it in Hebrews 11, verse 35 to 40. Those who are well known are given to us before by name. And we're familiar with them. Abraham, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Jephthah, David, Samuel. But then those who were not so popular and absolutely nothing known about them. The women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection, verse 35 says. Still others had trials of mocking, scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonments, verse 36. We don't know who they are. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. We believe Isaiah was sawn in two. Were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheep's clothing, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, verse 37. We don't know who they are by name. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Verse 38. We don't know who they are. We don't have names. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Verse 39 says, For God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Verse 40 says, But God knows them. Does it matter that we know them? What matters is that God knows them and that they're listed for our learning. Whether they have a name or not, whether little or a lot is revealed about them, we need to study. What do you do for the Lord? Oh, I take out all the refuge. I live at that gate. I do it as unto the Lord. Who knows you? I don't know. Who knows about you? Lord does. Little's known about him. But the little we know humbles us, teaches us a very important lesson. Regarding places, the exact location of the Ark of the Covenant, we don't know. People say they find it, people say they have found it, people lie. <laughs> the exact location of the tomb of Jesus. The present tomb, Gordon's Calvary, is possibly the place. It could be, could not be. We don't know. Does it matter? No. It's in the approximate vicinity. It very well could be. Whether it is or not, we're not positive. God hasn't saw fit to reveal that. Not necessary. Regarding periods of time, we have this example also. There are 16 years that just are passed up from one verse to another in Genesis 16, 16 
in the first verse of chapter 17. 16 years, nothing is said. And there are many others like that, 20 years, 30 years, silence. There's the 430 years of captivity in Egypt that is proclaimed, but not a lot of details given until Moses is sent in Exodus chapter 1 to 13. Very little detail. It is sufficient enough for God to proclaim that they would be there and that he would bring them out. And that's important. There's the 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Absolutely nothing. Yet the last book, Malachi, closes, revealing the condition of the people, that it was very, very sinful. Malachi's proclamation was twofold. Repentance in view of their present sin. And repentance in view of the Lord's coming. That's always the message that's relevant for the day. Repent in view of your sinful lifestyle and repent in view of the Lord's coming. Real simple. You want to boil the gospel down? You've got it there. Two good reasons to repent. In relationship to all that could have been written about Jesus, if we examine all that we have about him, it really is very little in comparison to all that could be written. Listen to what John says in John 21, 25. John states, And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that could be written. Amen. <laughs> so God did not make a mistake on leaving blanks and not revealing other things. That's his sovereignty in terms of wisdom. He knows. The scriptures tell us that the secret things belong to God and the ones he has revealed to us belong to us and our children forever in order that we may do all the words of the law. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The context is speaking about Israel whom God knew and that he would put them in captivity due to their disobedience. He had revealed that. And then he went on to reveal that he would bring them back as a remnant also. But it would be his own secret how he would do it. So some things he reveals, some he doesn't. Doesn't matter. The things he revealed to us, don't worry about what the Bible doesn't say. Just worry about doing what the Bible does say. Just like Christians. You know, there's so much that we can agree upon. What if Christians are always arguing, debating? Do you believe one saved, always saved? Do you believe you can lose your salvation? How do you teach predestination free will? Do you believe in the gifts? Do you not believe in the gifts? Do you believe pre, mid, post, or pre-wrath rapture? Out of all the things we can agree upon, we sit at a table, put gloves on, and we ask these questions. It's a sign of immaturity. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals to us the things of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 through 16, you know that. For here and now, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Man is able to know the things of God or the things of man by the spirit of man because he's fallen. Verse 11 says that. I know how you think. I know how you are because I'm just like you. So I can say, yeah, you know how it is here. And I can identify because I'm a fallen man. You're a fallen person. But 
The believer has received the Spirit of God and knows the things of God because they're freely given to him. And he's able to test and discern the things of God, but the natural man thinks they're foolishness. Verse 12 through 15 says there. So we can identify with fallen man, but we can also identify with the things of God because we're saved and we used to be natural men. But the natural man can only see the things of man. He cannot see the things of God. They're foolishness to him. The privilege of the believer is that he has the mind of Christ. That's how he finishes that that chapter in verse 16. The trouble with man is that he doesn't put on the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5. We have the mind of Christ. We don't put on the mind of Christ. That's the problem. The Lord will use us differently at different periods of our life. Keep that in mind. We are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus, poema, the message to the world, Ephesians 2.10. God prepares us, Jesus, 30 years for three years of ministry. How does that sound to you? Can you be a student for 30 years? To be used three years? Can you handle being a James, knowing that no one knows anything about you? What you do, how much you do. Can you be as committed as Paul to labor in obscurity for nine years? And if that's what God has for the rest of your life, you're content. Psalm 103, 12 says that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. God uses us differently. God will reward us individually. We will have to give an account individually, not collectively. He takes care of that. The lack of information is a common practice in the Bible. In view of all this, let's finish thirdly with the lessons God wants us to learn from James. First, the message is more important than the man. Never forget that. The man or woman is a mere instrument. Paul says, who is Paul? Who's Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one of us. 1 Corinthians 3, 5. The work is the work of God. One plants, another waters, but God gives the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. The power is of God, not of the instrument. In human wisdom. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5. In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The message is more important than the man. Never, ever forget that. When you start coming to church, because the man becomes more important, you are an idolater. It's the message that's important. Not the man. Secondly, the message is not to be tainted by the messenger. He's not to call attention to himself. The messenger, as you know, is called the herald in the New Testament. He, hired, he was hired by the king and the state to make all public proclamations, festivities, games, and so on. The message was not his. The authority was not his. They were both given to him, the message and the authority. The responsibility of that messenger was solely to proclaim, never responsible for the response. And yet as he proclaimed, he was expecting people to respond, either to reject the word they heard or to embrace and accept it in obedience. Those two always took place. So is the one who preaches the gospel. 
one who teaches the word of God. The excellency and glory is to be of God, not of man. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. God has put in this treasure in this earthen vessel that the power and glory may be of God and not of ourselves. His. The focus of the scriptures is never on the man. Man is a mere instrument. God is the focus. The year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw his glory to fill the temple. I said, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of a dirty mouth, unclean lips. The best thing that ever happened to Isaiah was he got his eyes off the king. Isaiah was an idolater. He had his eyes on the king, not God. And God had to remove the king to get Isaiah's eyes on the real king. Wow. The focus is always on God. The danger is always an overestimation of oneself. Always. Thirdly, the message and the messenger must always point people to Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves or think anything of ourselves, from ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God. It's evident by realizing that Jesus is the one working through the man. We're not sufficient. We make that clear to people always. Evident by relying on the Holy Spirit to teach us, to illuminate us. Listen to Paul, 2 Corinthians 3, 6. Who also made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, the Spirit gives life. The Spirit. Evident by resorting to and relying on the words of Jesus. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified and the Jews' stumbling block to the Greeks' foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, the weakness of God is stronger than man. 1 Corinthians 1, 23-25. It's Christ. It's Christ. Perhaps few people today know why the face of Lincoln is engraved in the American penny rather than on a larger coin. The reason is that goes back to a boyhood days of David Brenner, who had known nothing of liberty as much as and much hunger and want in Russia. And after coming to America, where he found both liberty and opportunity waiting him, Brenner became the famous sculptor and was the man responsible for placing the face of Lincoln on the most lowly coin in the United States, who had said, quote, The Lord must love the common people. He has made so many of them. Brenner's idea was that there would be more pennies minted than any other coin, and consequently, there would be more of them in the pockets of the common people. That's good. Such is the case with the instruments of God. They are common people, and they are to desire to strive to cause others to remember, not them, but their Lord. Nowhere is it more evident than the message is more important than the messenger than Jonah. You remember the message of Jonah? <laughs> God honored his word. Paul and Barnabas, priests of Lystra, they were taken for gods in Acts 14. They tore their clothes and they were men just like you. They were in their greatest peril, losing their ministry. To take glory from God, they passed the test. Oh. These are some of the lessons that we get from James. To God's all the glory. Next time you think about James, the son of Alphaeus, remember these three things. The little we know about James, 
the lack of information that's a common practice in the Bible and the lessons about him. Good lessons. Pastor Xavier Reese closes out our time for today with simple truths drawn from a character study of James, another from our special series on the Apostles. And just before we close, let me take a moment to mention that copies of today's character study simply titled James, the Son of Alphaeus are available for only $4 on CD. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply James, the Son of Alphaeus or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com